Welcome to the Wiggly Podcast. We are Wiggly Wigglers and we are in Lower Blakemere Farm, Herefordshire. If you want to go to our website, go to www.wigglywigglers.co.uk and please go because we've got the most amazing, fantastic new videos. Well, I think they're good. Have you seen them, Farmer Phil? Yep, they're looking pretty good. This week there is to be no... Except, of course, Richard's in them. <laughs> oh, I nearly laughed. But this week there is to be no laughing. It's to be a serious show. Because Susan Harris, who's quite a famous writer and writes for Garden Rant with Amy Stewart, has said this on her blog... It may be just that there are really very few American podcasts about gardening. I know Amy and lots of others love Wiggly Wigglers, spelt wrong, sorry. But sorry, English farm life is just too unfamiliar to me. Who and what are they talking about? And why are they laughing all the time? Well... Susan, it's better than crying, isn't it? Anyway, dear old Wiggly fans have written back in the comments to Susan and told her why we laugh and how good the show is. So thank you very much for all those who responded and explained that English humour is in fact funny and American humour isn't, is it? <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Only joking. Starsky and Hutch was good, but I'm not sure they knew that it was funny. Anyway, on this week's show, we've got Dennis from America, who is funny. <laughs> He's from Oregon. And he was over here, stayed the night in one of our bedrooms. Hope he was all right. I cleaned it and checked that there was no flies on the windowsill and put fresh flowers in. Farmer Phil, he was over here as he is also a seed producer. Yeah, he's a big grass seed grower. Oregon is a major grass seed growing area in the world. And Dennis and his wife Martha run a, shall we say, significant operation in Oregon. They grow more than 10 times the area of grass seed that we do here and we are considered one of the larger growers in this country so that gives you a sense of scale 10 times the amount that you grow mm. so can he control the market then i've got out of him that he can move the market depending on what he decides to do with his crop yes so we'll hear from him later but first of all, I want to tell you about Dave the London Cabbie. Here says Rach. Dave the London Cabbie has called to place an order today for flowers and worms. And he says he thinks the podcast is great. And he's only just got into them and he is catching up on all hours. So Dave, when you listen to this one, it will probably be 2018. I asked him what he did, and he's a cabbie driver called David, the London cabbie, and he has a website. I said I would give him a mention, a bit like Chris Evans, with what you are doing today for the first time for adults. He's got a website called www.cabbieblog.co.uk, and it's about the history of London. Give him a plug, says Rach. Well, I've been to David, the London cabbie's blog, and it is 
fantastic. If you want gossip on who sat in the back of his cab, where you should go, you've got to go to it. And not only that, he's written us our latest iTunes review. So thanks very much, David. And I shall get Farmer Phil to read out the 109th Wiggly Podcast review on iTunes. So this is from David the Cabbie. He entitles it The Archers Without the Drama. Five stars. Having listened to many, in inverted commas, serious podcasts, this one is the best I've found. Lively banter mixed with useful information and a huge slice of humour. It's the antidote to those dreary Monday mornings. And for us city dwellers, you can hear real people talking about a subject they love with enthusiasm. It just puts a smile on my face as I drive my London cab. So I reckon that that is one of the most satisfying reviews, the idea that our various chunterings and rubbish that we talk on our sofa is affecting poor old Dave dealing with the London traffic, which you and I know to be beyond the scope of our patients. Two congestion with charges for me in two days, I forgot again. (laughs) So hello to Dave and hello to whoever's in his cab when he's listening to the podcast, because they're, you know, passive podcast listening. <laughs> anyway, he's had lots of people in there. There's a very funny story about Diana Rigg. I'll leave that with you. Also, we are about to stop for our summer break. Uh, we happen to be going off in a VW camper van. If you would like to hire one, go to vwcampervanhire.co.uk and there's a lovely bloke called Mark Lively who used to do the wiggly printing and has gone on his own to hire camper vans out. So Farmer Phil, myself and Monty will be leaving you the week after next to go on a little trip to a festival, Cornbury Festival, and then to Silverstone, to the Grand Prix. So we'll be gone. And Farmer Phil, you've got very exciting summer school coming up. Yeah, I have to say the invite was to either of us, so (laughs) that I can't really claim too many points, but it was perm one of two to join the Prince of Wales Summer School at the Royal Agricultural College at Cirencester and at Highgrove, where the Prince of Wales puts together three days of assorted speakers, study tours and educational activities and we, one of us, me, is being sponsored to go on the study group by the Duchy of Cornwall itself. I know that sounds a bit of a convoluted way of doing it but the Duchy choose two people each year who they will pay for to go on His Royal Highness's study. Well, I'll be. Now stand up, Funville. I'm going to get into trouble for grazing my microphone. I know, but this is important. Now, please practice your bow. No, 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 that's not correct. Dear listener, he's got clenched fists and he's sort of drooped like a farmer. So, shoulders back. No, that was like a dandy. So then he put his hands like Superman and bowed. I've seen how to do this at Wimbledon. Just put your hand across your chest and bow. What would you know about it? I saw it on Wimbledon because Andy Murray wouldn't do it. Oh, honestly. I shall say hello to him as I normally do. Oh, well. Hello, sir. And he'll say, hello, Farmer Phil. Well, I think he As he normally does. Well, there we are, anyway. Okay, so what I really want to know about is your problems this week. Here we are, sat on the sofa for your this week's Farmer Phil problem. Well, you know how they say that bad bits go in threes? Well, this week has been no exception. And that 
uh, we accept the fact that when cows and, and cattle get old and problems, then they have to go. And this week we've lost two elderly members of our herd and one brand new one, which is particularly depressing. The two elderly members, one cow and one bull, the bull was our oldest bull, Nabob, who is a Charolais, or was, and both of them have had long-term problems with their feet, which is probably in their breeding, it's genetic, but we keep trimming them, but they get progressively worse. What's the matter with their feet? Basically, the shape of them means that they walk on them not nice and square and flat on the ground. And that oh, they're, they're like your dad? A bit. It's the same idea, a little bit like fallen arches, but anyway... <laughs> <laughs> this, well, the, um, your dad doesn't walk quite square, yeah, does he? It, but it's exactly it's because the same he's thing. wore wellies too long, isn't it? Well, they haven't had their wellies on, but the result is that their feet become, over a long period of time, and the bull was 13, which is old for a working bull, the feet, gradually the shape gets worse and worse, and you can't trim them to the right shape because the, the tender bits become wrong as well. Because without being crude, well, with being slightly crude, of course, a bull does need to be able to stand on two legs. Yeah, it's absolutely critical. When he critical has his bit of... For a bull to oopsie. be sound. And when they're not sound, they won't work. So what, will he say, I, I don't fancy a bit, or will he get up there and then No, he'll just, he'll just say, I don't fancy it, I'm not, yeah. not going to try anymore. Yeah. But he's been absolutely fine, and we'd worked quite hard the last couple of years to keep his feet as good as we could, and he went out this spring sound and very happy. But the last week or ten days, I noticed that one of his clays, that he has a cloven hoof, so one half of one hoof had got a minor infection in it, and I know what that means in as much that you get a cavity within the hoof and you get pus within the cavity, and that hurts the structure again because then you've got soft bits, hard bits, cavity and rotten bits and all the rest of it. And so basically we got to the point that we could do no more for him, so we had to put him down. Did Poor you boy. make that decision or did you no, leave I that... Got- to the I, vet because I knew what the decision was going to be, but I did get the vet to come and say, you know, we had got to the point that we can't actually help him anymore. You could go into a long because that's a tiny bit of a bull, isn't it? I mean, when you think about the tons of body, and... well, that's the whole point. You've got the tons of body, and they're all stood on that bit. And if it hurts, it hurts real bad. It's like a woman when her stiletto goes, <laughs> isn't it? Because if her stiletto goes, there's no recovery. You know, in a younger animal, you can treat them, you can get rid of the infection, and hopefully you can correct the foot well enough to make it better. But we've done that a number of times with him, and we got to the point that we hadn't got any good foot left, and we were running into the problem that it was going to cause him more pain and discomfort trying to operate on him and correct it than I felt was worth it. And so I got the vet to confirm my suspicions, And so, sadly, he came to the end of his days. And we also had a cow who had exactly the same problem. We've been struggling with her feet for the last few years. But she doesn't have to get up on two legs, so... No, but she's in a lot of pain. It's dragging her down. And you know that you're not winning against the infection. Extremities of cows are difficult places to get antibiotics to work. And so you've had two beasts put down. We had two put down. Number and then, three? Uh, number three. So the evening that Dennis and Martha arrive, 
uh, on the farm, so we want to be impressive. I was half an hour from the farm with Dennis and Martha in the car. Kevin phones up and says, I've got a problem with a cow calving. It doesn't look right. Where are you? I said, I'm half an hour away. Turn up, so I have to do a public calving. I was not at all confident that I was going to end up with a live calf. It wasn't right and this, that and the other. And I was very pleased to end up with a live calf, that he was stressed, but absolutely 100%. And within a couple of hours, we had him up and about. By the following day, he was feeding himself perfectly satisfactorily and looked to all intents and purposes to be a large, healthy, normal calf. What happened? He would have been a fortnight old today. And yesterday, Tom actually happened to see him because he went to look at something else in the shed and saw that he was all right. And all he said to me was, he said, just have a look at that calf. He said, there seems to be a lot of flies. There's a little bit of blood on its back. But just have a look at it. But he said, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It might be a bit of fly spray or something that's needed. And we turned around and went back 10 or 15 minutes later, and he was dead on the floor. And what had happened was that he had hemorrhaged into his guts. The blood that Tom had seen had come out of his back end so that there was a mixture of congealed blood and fresh blood that had come out of his back end, and that's what the flies were attracted to. And probably because there was some genetic issue, some physical deformity within his gut tract, he got so far and hemorrhaged and just quietly bled to death, which I thought was very depressing, given God. that... Uh, absolutely nothing we could have done about it. Even if we'd caught him ten minutes earlier and recognised there was something wrong, absolutely hopeless case, just one of those one-off things. So does that mean, getting to the finances, does that mean you've just lost that money? Yeah. So what, what sort of financial loss would that be? Well, the cow and the bull, because they were both old, you could make a reasonable argument for saying they didn't owe me anything because they'd had a good life, they'd provided me with... Ah, but how much would it cost to replace them? Well, that's the thing. To buy, go and buy a nice heifer to put to the bull would cost anything between £700 and £900. Pounds. So that was that. I went and bought another bull from the same place where I've had the last three Charolais bulls from last night, and he cost me... £2,750. He's a nice bull. But, so we've had to do that. And the calf, Why don't you get a Hereford, Phil? Because I've got a Hereford here. Okay. And the calf, <laughs> if it had lived to be a store animal at six months old and, and lived with its mother and all the rest of it, would have been worth, in round figures, four or five hundred pounds as a good... It's not a good week, is it? Not really. Mm. But... I suppose that is dealing with livestock and so on. Any good news? Well, it's not all bad news. The weather continues to be hot and dry, which favours our side of the country because the rest of the country will suffer long before we do through lack of moisture. So that if the price of our crops goes up because of drought, then we should gain correspondingly. And come off it. You have made the best hay in the world. We've got some nice hay in the shed. I agree. I tell you what we have noticed is that this year is a terrible year for flies. I've never seen so many around the cattle. Touch wood, we haven't had any problems with them yet, but that is a concern. Right, well, let's have a bit of good news. Wigglies are off to Ross Labels to put our little concession area in. So if you are going by Labels at Ross, which is on the A40 just off the M50, then call in and have a look. We're just by the food hall. We've had our wiggly flowers in there for, well, I think somewhere around Christmas time. 
Lots of other things going on at Wiggly's. We've taken on the potato shed next door. Oh, I can tell you now that secretly it was Afghanistan. It was all covered in sand and buildings. It was from a secret service people that, oh, it was all action. Anyway, they've moved out and we've taken on the shed next door. I don't suppose that will affect you, dear Wiggly listener, but I like to keep you informed with what's going on here on the farm. Let's go and hear the lovely morning that Dennis and Martha spoke to Farmer Phil about their farm and how they run their business. Well, I am honoured that I have received a visit over the last two days from some folk who I'm told are the premier grass seed producers in probably the whole of the US of A, but at least the western half of the US of A. And I'm joined by Dennis and Martha Glazer, who farm some phenomenal area in Oregon, northwest USA, and Dick Hall, who is a premier grass seed producer from Hampshire, obviously the richer end of the country. Really, the interest is with you, Dennis. I have discovered over the last day that you grow more than 10 times as much grass seed as I do. You also produce hazelnuts commercially, which is something I've never really thought of or heard of, which I think is fascinating. And just as a sort of pastime, you grow wheat on a few thousand acres here and there. And, you know, there's me on my little patch of West Herefordshire feeling somewhat, well, out of my depth, really. Um, Ladies and gentlemen... Don't believe what Farmer Phil tells you (laughs) (laughs) entirely. We do grow a lot of grass seed in the western part of Oregon and do a quality job, but most of our grasses are amenity types, which would be for your lawn and golf course or soccer pitch. Uh, We also grow hazelnuts, which are sold on a world market, not only in the United States, but a good many of those same nuts come to to Europe and and England, uh, particularly for Christmas time. And you all know what Cadbury chocolates are, but they all are loaded with hazelnuts. Well, presumably now that our country has sold out Cadbury chocolates to, I believe, an American outfit, (laughs) that would probably explain why the American hazelnuts get in there. But in terms of your grass seed growing, um, we grow 230-odd acres of amenity ryegrass. You, I think, grow two and a half thousand acres of tall fescue, which is a a grass for golf courses. I can't comprehend that. Well, it's not always as big or better. Phil, you've done a remarkable job on the uh, fields that we've seen here today. I did only show them the best ones. (laughs) Regardless of whether they were the best ones or not, they they looked very good. For the weed problems that you have here in the in England and the restrictions that you have on your chemicals, uh, you're doing a fantastic job. This is quite enough flattery in as much that I'm, I'm really interested in talking about your operation. Now, there's two things that are, are quite exciting. Dick is trying to organise a trip for us peasant farmers in England to come and see how you do it over there in the US of A, which is quite exciting. But you, Dick... You've been and seen Dennis and Martha's operation, so I can get a truthful answer out of you. So what's your take on what, what they get up to? Well, what Dennis and Martha do is a fabulous operation, and the, the area that they can grow is probably made a little bit easier by the fact that they 
We'd hope to have some decent weather in July and August, harvest time, which um, we cannot guarantee quite as well here in, in England. I was lucky enough that my dad went out on a, on a fact-finding mission to Oregon 30 years ago with a grass seed growing group and the next year Dennis and Martha came over to stay with us and a couple of years later I was very grateful to get the opportunity to go and work there for six months before going to agricultural college. So um, I went from being in charge of a broom in Hampshire to getting the opportunity of driving big kit in Oregon and a combine harvester and windrower and all the exciting bits of kit which was which was an opportunity that I wouldn't have got here and um, it's fabulous that the grass seed even though they grow a massive area it's still the grass seed is a small world and here we are 30 years later keeping in touch and we've had a great time these last few days looking around grass seed growers in Essex and uh, Leicestershire and here in Hereford and we're a brotherhood that's that makes it exciting. The other purpose that Dennis and Martha have come over for is to take part in judging our farm competition down in Hampshire, which is again something that's been going on for many years. Farmers, I think, are always proud of what they do, whether it's looking after livestock or looking after crops, and uh, always enjoy the opportunity of showing off what they do to, to other farmers. And that's where our Hampshire Farmers Club competition has thrived, I think, as have many other farm competitions around the country, that we get an opportunity of inviting some judges over from a way away outside the county so we've surpassed ourselves with getting judges from Hereford and Oregon this time and they'll come and spend a couple of days looking around farms and farmers will show them the best of what they do tell them all about their aims and ambitions and where they're trying to take their businesses to and the judges have the tough job um, over a period of two days to to choose a class winner out of possibly six farms that they've been to see so we wish you good luck in that Dennis. Well, I, I was going to say Chief Judge Dennis will be in charge of that bit. I'll be writing a few notes down and, you know, sort of trailing yeah, along. A judging pair, yeah. Phil and Dennis. <laughs> I'm quite looking forward to that. It is an opportunity to see how other people do it. And the only trouble is that when you go to farms that are very good, you come back feeling very depressed about what you failed to achieve in your own backyard. But notwithstanding that, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity of coming over to Oregon and I know Heather is as well, so that'll be good. We've been to not a million miles from that part of the USA before and found it fascinating, friendly, welcoming, and so that, that'll be really good. So we're looking forward to that. And um, I'm very flattered about your comments about Herefordshire, but I know you're a very flattering person, so I know I'm plenty of room to improve. I mean, it was demonstrated. You hadn't been on the farm for five seconds before I was called out to the cattle yard to deliver a calf of a cow and we had a bit of a pulling match and one thing or another. Luckily it was successful but I was stood there thinking this is no way to greet guests. I can't believe you didn't have a degree of surprise when that transpired. Actually not because uh, when we found out that you did have cattle and we raised a few cattle that's always a first priority. You've got to save those calves. Do whatever it takes to, to get the job done. I well appreciated your efforts and, and uh, You've got a huge <laughs> bull calf on the ground. I must say that I think its mother felt a lot better for it. <laughs> I'm sure she did. Well, anyway, I, I gather you're off into the wilds of northwest Wales now, so I sincerely do wish you luck up there. I mean, you know, that is wild and woolly country up there. You've just about negotiated a truce with Martha over how to drive the car. So, um, you, you know, as long as peace remains for a couple of days you should enjoy yourself up there 
Well, we want to thank you again for all your hospitality and the time that you've spent showing us around and, and Dick for all the trouble he's been to herding us around the country, showing us the best of England and, and uh, what it has to offer. Well, I think it's a good opportunity for Dick to, to have shown off his new truck, which I must say is a, a marvellous piece of machinery and is totally befitting of a gentleman farmer from Hampshire. So. My truck left Hampshire clean. It's got all sorts of things from Herefordshire on it that a Hampshire truck shouldn't have on it now. It does look more the part now. I think with that, we'd, we'd better sign off at that. There we are. Lastly, I just wanted to share this with you. If you're getting married and you need some Wiggly flowers, have a listen to this. We got married on Easter Saturday and Wiggly still delivered the flowers on the Friday, despite it being a bank holiday. I believe the manager's father-in-law delivered them. That was your dad, so thank you, Adrian. He went all the way up to Cumbria. We had two bridesmaid bouquets, buttonholes, table decorations. They were absolutely beautiful and really original. We can't thank you enough for going out of your way to make our day perfect. Thank you very much, Nicola. Glad you enjoyed it. If you want to come to follow Farmer Phil on Twitter, you need to go to... At Farmer Phil with no E. If you want to email him... PWG at lowerblakemere.co.uk And if you want to contact me, heather at wigglywigglers.co.uk or at wiggled on Twitter. Facebook group is going very well. So if you need advice on growing your veggies, attracting your wildlife, buying British or anything else, I mean, I'm sure I could help you out with a little bit of eyelash tinting advice. I'm sure I can do that. Um, then just get to our Facebook group. Just search Wiggly Wigglers at Facebook group. The latest thing that everyone is talking about there is the best video I have ever seen of a hedgehog eating mealworms. In fact, it's the only video I've ever seen of a hedgehog eating mealworms. Nevertheless, it is very, very good. Next week is our last week before we break for summer on the Wiggly Podcast, so please tune in. It's going to be a special. Graham Taylor gives a talk about trees and coppicing and wildlife habitat and carbon footprint. So come on down. Bye from me. And bye from me. <laughs>